Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Sunday morning Bible class. We're podcasting a Bible study every Sunday morning that is posted on our website and also posted through podcasting at 9.30 every Sunday morning, the same time as our regular Sunday morning Bible class at the church building at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Now, if you're in the Omaha area, we encourage you to come and be with us in person, study with us, worship with us, grow spiritually with us at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Our our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street in Omaha, 3606 North 108th Street in Omaha. And Bible classes on Sunday mornings are at 930, as we said, followed by worship at 1030. Our our Sunday night worship begins at 6 o'clock each Sunday evening, and right in the middle of of the week, a good time to stop and kind of recharge our spiritual batteries, each Wednesday evening at 6.30, we have midweek Bible classes. You're welcome at any and all of these services. We'd love to have you. We'd love to meet you, get to know you better, let let you get to know us better. And again, worship God together, study together grow spiritually together. We hope you'll take advantage of that. But we know that there are people who are not able to be with us in person uh, around the area. They may be shut in because of handicaps or illness, or there may be people who are simply outside of the area. And we know that there are people listening across the country and literally around the world. And so we're thankful to be able, through the medium of the internet and by podcasting, to teach God's Word on such a widespread basis. We're really thankful to have the opportunity, the ability, and the means to do so. We want to encourage you, if you're listening and you have not yet gone to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com, please do that. And take advantage of the podcast link. Click on that and sign up for our podcasting. Now, that is free it always will be free. We keep emphasizing we're not after people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. When you sign up for our podcasting, you will automatically receive to your smart device, whether that's your phone or computer, laptop, pad, tablet, whatever it is that you might choose, you will automatically receive our Sunday morning Bible class, our Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons, and you will receive our Monday through Friday daily radio program, Search the Scriptures. And what I think is really a wonderful and an easily accessible and listen, the ability to listen to a daily short, about a 13-minute Bible study called Today's Bible Class. Now, you can listen to that while you're driving to work in the morning or when you're driving home from work in the evening or maybe when you take a break at work or maybe doing your chores around the house easy to fit those 13 or so minutes in, and in that way you're getting into God's Word. And how does faith develop within us and grow stronger and stay strong? Faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. Now, share these studies with everybody you can. Help people grow in their faith. Help people come closer to God. Help people get to heaven. Share through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means, with your family members, your friends, your work associates, your neighbors, with literally everybody you can every day. What a great blessing to help somebody get to heaven. 
great blessing for them and a great blessing for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today. We're going to get back into our study from the book of Numbers. And what we're really doing here is we're studying, you could look at it from the broad-based perspective as we're studying the history of Israel, the early history of Israel. Now, really, when we went through the book of Genesis, we were studying the early history of mankind, weren't we? Coming up to Genesis chapter 12, and then we began looking at the forefathers of what would become the nation of Israel, beginning with Abraham, and then Isaac, and then Jacob, and then Jacob's sons, who would become the forefathers of the 12 tribes of Israel. And then we come into the book of Exodus, and we see where that, that, that offspring of Jacob's sons has grown while living within the borders of Egypt for about 400 or 450 years. They've grown into a mighty nation population-wise, but they have yet to really be formed into a nation. They're still living within the borders of another land, and they have not yet really taken on that national identity that God had planned for them. And so God sends Moses to lead them out of the bondage that they are in in Egypt to Mount Sinai, and God gives them his spiritual law. And he is intending to lead them to the promised land, the land that he had promised to their forefathers going all the way back to Abraham, the land of Canaan. And that would become the national boundaries of what would become the nation of Israel. Well, then we saw as they left Mount Sinai, well, even before they got to Mount Sinai, they, they were running into some hardships and uh, they were in need of God's special intervention. First, the army of, of, of Pharaoh was pursuing them and God opened up the waters of the Red Sea and through Moses led the people across on dry ground to the safety of the other side. And then as Pharaoh's chariots were pursuing them along that same pathway, God closed the waters back up on them and destroyed that, that part of Pharaoh's army. Well, then God gave them water miraculously. He fed them miraculously through the manna that would appear on the ground every morning. And then he fed them miraculously with meat through the quail that he brought, upon the, uh, brought around the camp of, of the Israelites. And then God told Moses, after he had given the people this spiritual law, at least a great deal of it, he said, now, go to the promised land. So Moses led that massive body of people, we were prob and we're probably talking about somewhere from one to three million people strong, at least. He leads them to the southern boundary of Canaan. Then he sends 12 spies into the land, one from each of the 12 tribes. And they come back at first, and we've recently just read this account. At first they come back and they say, oh, what a great land, land that flows with milk and honey. Let us show you some of the samples of the produce that grow in that land. But then it's like a, a, a switch trips in their head. And they say, but we can't go in there. Boy, it's a hard land, let me tell you. The cities are massive. They're well fortified. In other words, there's walls around them. And let me tell you, those people are tough. And we even saw a race of giants in that land. 
we were like grasshoppers in their sight. And we're grasshop we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Well, we talked about the grasshopper complex. As soon as they felt like they were nothing more than grasshoppers in their own eyes, uh, they were self-defeated. With the exception of two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, and they said, no, 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 no. Let's go right now because we're well able to take that land. And the understanding is by God's deliverance. But the people listened to the 10 spies and they became really upset with Joshua and Caleb. And I think the text even indicates they were ready to put them to death, perhaps. But Moses, well, God steps in and God sternly tells Moses how disappointed he is with the people. And God is going to not allow that adult generation to go into the land of to the promised land, the land of Canaan, ever. He's going to cause them to piddle around in the wilderness for a period of about 40 years until the entire adult generation from 20 years old and upward dies off. And then he'll lead their children into the land. They will have become a people of stronger faith than their parents and grandparents were. The people, they even talked about going back to Egypt where they were slaves, basically, and from which they had cried out to God for deliverance, and he delivered them. But now these 10 spies, they say, oh, tough land. We're going to get slaughtered if we go in there. And they forget the power of God, the deliverance of God, the promise of God to give them that land. And so God says, you adults, you, you, you who are, you see yourselves as the, uh, the fathers, the forefathers, you're not going in. You're going to die in the wilderness. I will lead your children in. Well, I've talked about how fickle humanity can be, wishy-washy. We give the appearance at one point of being strong in our faith in God, and then something happens, and it shakes that strength, and, and now, ah, I don't think we can do this. Ah, we're not trusting God anymore. Well, in Numbers chapter 14, we pick up with verse 26. And go back to verse 23, and God is pronouncing this judgment, speaking of the people, the adults of that generation. He says, they shall surely not see the land of which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who reject me see it. My servant Caleb, because he, was, he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. Now, so, and Joshua also would be included in this. And so God says, Caleb, the faithful, also Joshua, the faithful spy, they're going to go in. They're going to see the promised land. They're going to live therein. Their, in their descendants shall inherit it. Now the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valley. Tomorrow, turn and move, move out into the wilderness by, by the way of the Red Sea. Well, the people at this point 
don't really, I think, understand the fullness of God's punishment and judgment upon them by moving out into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea, God's going to lead them basically in a big circle for about 40 years until that adult generation dies off. And we pick up with verse 26. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, how long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complained against me? I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. This is something that sounds similar, doesn't it? People continually complain against God. Now, somebody might say, well, no, no, I never complain against God. Really? You certainly have known of people who complain against God. What about when tough times come and people start doubting? Where's God? They pray to God. They don't see the answer immediately. Why why, Why isn't God blessing me? Why isn't he giving me what I'm praying for? Well, God knows what you really need, and he knows the right time at which you need it. And sometimes we think we need things that God knows, uh, no, 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 you don't need that. Remember the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, when he, or chapter 7, I believe it is, when he prayed to God three times that some kind of physical problem, impediment, he calls it a thorn in the flesh, that it would be removed. And the Lord said, no, I'm not going to remove it. My strength is good enough for you in your weakness. And so the Lord was telling, Saul, uh, was telling Paul, I'm going to use you just the way you are. You're going to do really good things. You're going to really be effective even in your weakness. I'm going to show you. And I show people around you as well. And Paul took the lesson. And he said, hey, I'll rejoice in my infirmities. I'll just go ahead and serve the Lord with whatever physical impediments or problems I might have. God's going to work through me. Well, God's asking Moses and Aaron, how long shall I bear with this evil congregation? In other words, these people who are doubting me, complaining against me, I've heard their complaints that they make against me. Now, when they're complaining to Moses about their impending death under, some, under these circumstances of supposedly, if they're going to go in and try to conquer this land that they see is, is going to be a slaughterhouse for them, they're not trusting in God. They're not looking to him for his victory to be bestowed upon them. They're doubting God. Now, they're complaining to Moses, but they're doubting God. And so verse 28, God tells Moses and Aaron, say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. Now, they were saying, we're going to die if we go in there. We're going to get killed. Those people are too strong for us. Their cities are too well fortified. Those giants are going to beat us down. And so God says, as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. And look at how graphic his description of judgment that he's going to bring upon them is. The carcasses of you who have, fil- who have complained against me shall fall in the wilderness. Now, he's not 
putting it in really nice sugar-coated terms, you're going to die in the wilderness? Now he says, your carcasses. <laughs> the carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in the wilderness. All of you who are numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old, from 20 years old and above, except, okay, so all the adult generation from 20 years old and up, you're going to die in that wilderness, except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun, you're all going to die in the wilderness. Now, that's going to take some time. Yeah, about 40 years. You shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. Now, God says, I led you out of Egypt. I led you to Sinai. I showed you mighty signs. I took care of you. I gave you water. I gave you food. And I led you to this land that I promised to you through your forefathers hundreds of years before. And now this is how you trust me? Is this the faith that you have in me? You're showing a lack of faith, weak faith. In some cases, perhaps no faith. And so I'm not going to let you go into this land. No, you're going to wander around for about 40 years. I call it piddling in the wilderness until the entire adult generation from 20 years old and above dies off in the wilderness. Except for Joshua, or rather except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. But your little ones, whom you said would be victims, <laughs> oh, it's going to happen to our children. That's what they were saying. Our children, they're going to be killed. They're going to be slaughtered. They're going to die. That, so, oh, you fathers, mothers, grandparents, all those children you were so concerned about, at least you voiced your concern over, hmm, those whom you said would be victims, I will bring in, and they shall know the land that you have despised. Interesting that God describes their rejection of going in and taking the land that he had promised to them through their forefathers for many hundreds of years, he says, you've showed that you despise that land, but I'll take your little ones in there. The ones you were concerned about, you voiced your fear over they would die in that kind of conquering. No, no, they're the ones who are going to enjoy the land. They're the ones who are going to be blessed with the inheritance. You, you adults, you weak in faith, you who complain against me, you're going to die in the wilderness. Your little ones whom you said would be victims, I will bring in and they shall know the land which you have despised. But as for you, again, not just being nice and saying you're going to die over the next 40 years. Now he says, your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness. They're going to die in the wilderness and be buried in a land that is not theirs, in a land to which they don't belong, away from home, if you could think of it that way. And your sons shall be shepherds in the wilderness 40 years and bear the brunt of your infidelity. 
until your carcasses are consumed in the wilderness. Your children, yeah, they're going to have to bear the brunt of growing up for 40 years in the wilderness because of your lack of faith in me. According to the number of the days in which you spied out the land, 40 days, for each day you shall bear your guilt one year, namely 40 years, and you shall know my rejection. You shall know my rejection. Interesting. You shall know my judgment. I, the Lord, have spoken this. I will surely do I will surely do so to all this evil congregation who are gathered together against me. Again, what an interesting and really, really condemning identity of almost all of the people of Israel at that time. God referring to them as this evil congregation. Why does he describe them so, pronounce them so? because they're gathered together against God. In this wilderness they shall be consumed, and there they shall die. So they'll die outside the promised land. They'll die never having lived within it. They'll die never having possessed their inheritance, which God intended for them to possess, because of their lack of faith in God, their lack of being trustful, of him to fulfill his promise and deliver the land into their hands. Now the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land who returned and made all the congregation complain against him by bringing a bad report of the land, those very men who brought the evil report about the land died by the plague before the Lord. We need to stop and think about how we might influence people against God or against godliness, or how we might influence people to become weak in their faith by our complaining, by our bad example. Those 10 spies who brought the bad report and turned the hearts of the people away from taking the land that God promised he would give to them, deliver into their hands, they died by the plague before the Lord. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, remained alive of the men who went to spy out the land. Oh, they were faithful to God. They trusted God. It's interesting what happens next. Beginning with verse 39, Then Moses told these words to all the children of Israel, and the people mourned greatly. Sometimes we come to recognize our failure before God, but it's still our failure. And because of our lack of trust in him and our lack of faithfulness to him, we still have to suffer consequences of that unfaithfulness. So verse 40 says, They rose early in the morning and went up to the top of the mountain, saying, Here we are, and we will go up to the place which the Lord has promised, for we have sinned. And Moses said, Now why do you transgress the command of the Lord? For this will not succeed. Do not go up, lest you you be defeated by your enemies, for the Lord is not among you. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you, and you shall fall by the sword. Because you have turned away from the Lord, the Lord will not be with you. Now, what is that? Because you have turned away from the Lord, the Lord will not be with you. How many people live an 
ungodly, unfaithful life until something bad happens in their life, and then all of a sudden they get what I call jailhouse religion, and they go, okay, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk with God. But it's not pure. It's not true. It's not sincere devotion to God. But they expect God then to all of a sudden bless them and accept them and everything. But it's not really sincere. It's not deep down. It's not a real commitment. It's surface level at best. And Moses is telling these, these people, they say, we've learned our lesson. We're going, to go, we're going to go and fight now. And we're going to go ahead and we're going to fight against those people that, who are in that land right now. Moses says, no, 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 don't go. You turned away from God. God is not going to be with you in that battle. You're going to fall by the sword. In other words, the enemies are going to conquer you. Because you have turned away from the Lord, the Lord will not be with you. But they presumed to go up to the mountaintop. Nevertheless, neither the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord nor Moses departed from the camp. They're going up on their own. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who dwelt in that mountain came down and attacked them and drove them back as far as Hormach. Hmm. They lost the battle, just as Moses told them would happen. You see, all of a sudden, they, they acted on what they thought was faith, but it was too late. They had already rebelled against God, and they were going to face God's judgment. And of course, God knew what their faith really was anyway. They kept showing weakness of faith, even up until this point. Complaining about not having food, and then complaining, not having meat. And now complaining, we can't, t- why, why has God brought us here? We're going to die. Our children are going to die. And God said, uh, now you're going to die, but your children, they're going to grow up and have stronger faith, and I'll lead them into that land. Well, some of them decide we will attack. We'll show the Lord that we're, that we're faithful now, that we're dedicated to him. Moses said, no, don't go. Don't go. Because you have turned away from the Lord, the Lord will not be with you, and you'll die by the sword. But they went anyway. They didn't listen again. This is just the latest time they didn't listen. And the Amalekites and the Canaanites attacked them and drove them back. how they must have been humbled at that point. And were many of them ready to repent, at least surface-level repentance? I'm sure many of them were. They were ready. But you see, sin bears consequences. Unfaithfulness bears consequences. And so God was going to bring judgment upon them. They would never live in that promised land. But their children would. Because their children would grow up stronger in the faith. We need to learn these lessons and make the proper applications to our lives today. As we claim to be believers in and followers of God through Jesus Christ and claim to have faith in God and Christ. 
We need to examine ourselves continually. Am I really faithful? Am I really strong in my faith? Am I really living the faithful life that God wants me to live? Self-examination, it's taught in the scriptures, and we need to exercise it continually. Let's pray. Father in heaven, help us to learn the lessons that you set before us in your word. Lessons of how people who have gone before us have either served you faithfully and effectively or have struggled along the way. And help us to learn the positive lessons and the negative lessons and to make the proper applications to our lives so that we can be truly strong in our faith in you, strong in our faithfulness to you. Please guide us in this, Father. We pray. Please, Father, we pray at this time, forgive us of our sins and hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.